Hello and welcome to the Quiet Upstairs podcast, a podcast where I chat to people about their hobbies or jobs, mainly related to music but not strictly limited to band members. I will be talking to producers and designers, PR people and more as we move forward. The name of the podcast is a reference to my upstairs neighbours' potential to room recordings as this podcast will largely be recorded in my flat. So on to the first episode, which was Sean Cosgrove. Sean's been in a few different bands, including Barmer Hands, Azri on Departures, and he also runs a clothing label. Sean has written the intro music for this podcast, so that's an example of some of his work, which we actually talk about later on in the episode. Anyway, hope you enjoy. This is episode one of Quiet Upstairs with Sean Cosgrove. about your early life <laughs> <laughs> immediately so yeah first question is has got to be where you grew up it's got to be Glasgow and talking about Glasgow born and raised uh, lived in the same house pretty much my entire entire upbringing uh, south side of Glasgow okay and so what's the kind of the formative years what are you I from what I know, you're definitely into metal first. Uh, yep, yeah, so formative years, let me see. When I was in uh, primary school, I was about 10 years old, 11 years old. Went to Florida with my mum and dad and went to like a local music shop and just bought like the two maddest looking CDs that I could find, right? <laughs> Which were Famous Monsters by the Misfits. Okay. Right. And The Bleeding by Cannibal Corpse. It's quite, a, it's, it's quite an eclectic uh, it's sort some, of horror mix. Yeah, there. it's some combo <laughs> that. I obviously just thought, fucking yes. Um, so that was like the first two okay. CDs really. But when I was like really young, I had this babysitter that used to make me listen to like Iron Butterfly and Dog Eat Dog. Okay, when wow. I was, like, when I was like five or something. So... How did those albums kind of help you move into the kind of heavier stuff? Did you get home and then research other albums by them and go into other bands or? Yeah, so when I got home, then I went to another, like when I went to a record shop in Glasgow or like asked my friends. So I listened to those two like albums for ages and then like the first thing that I went out and bought on purpose was weirdly um, a live album by Nirvana. Um, uh, Muddy Banks. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Is that right? Yeah, Muddy so, Banks. Yeah. Don't know why that was the first thing I bought. Okay. Bought that. I think I, I liked the idea it was like live. It was like yeah. a live recording. Nice, okay. So I got my dad to buy me that, and then after that, it was. You know? Sitting down the rabbit hole. Yeah, just that's it. <laughs> no, no turning back after that. So, wait, hold on a minute. So, were you kind of in the. Um, the kind of the grunge scene growing up because myself growing up like, I only had skater and grunge friends really I didn't have normal friends as it were <laughs> was he the same? No I had I had an eclectic mix probably because I liked metal so I was like right into like Cannibal Corpse and stuff like that just because when you're young you're like this is so extreme this is like insane yeah uh, so I had like a bunch of friends like that but then I had a bunch of skater friends like as well yeah. so it was kind of like both sides of the yeah yeah I see what you mean do you know what I mean yeah. like I did I did listen to Nirvana and 
the first concert I ever went to was The Offspring. Oh yeah, nice. But then I was like also still like, listening to like... Who supported that show? Didn't it? Was uh, it AFI. That was it, yeah. Caffeine. Yeah. Someone else. Nice, that's a good lineup. Yeah, it's alright, yeah. Um, that's like 2000, 2000? Okay. Something like that. So you would have been 12? Yeah. No, 14. No, 12, that's right. Yeah, yeah, 12 ish. Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, because I was thinking when you're younger, like those sort of things don't, like the extreme mix there of Misfits and Cannibal Corpse and Nirvana yeah. Yeah. to a young person. And, you know, as it go up as well, it doesn't really matter. Like, it's no, it doesn't all just. Matter. And, like, see when you've not heard that stuff before? It's all extreme. It's all heavy. Yeah, yeah. Like, and, like, the fact that uh, Misfits had that, like, corpse paint mm-hmm. stuff was almost maybe more extreme. Because the guy, like, Cannibal Corpse don't have pictures of the band on the record, really. I don't think I've ever seen a photo of them. They're just, like, smelly, like, long-haired grungers. Yeah. That's it. But obviously, like, Misfits are wearing, like, leather and, like, yeah, yeah. corpse paint. So, sure. like, that almost is, like, that's just as as, as extreme as I anything. Mean, yeah, I find it weird when there's bands that, that do look more extreme than they are, so, like... Yeah, because I've, li- like, I've listened to them recently and been like, this is so, like... Tame. Like, yeah. yeah. So, like, it's all, like, poppy. When I saw, um, I'd never heard Ghost, but I'd seen a lot of photos of them and I saw them at a yep. festival and I started watching them I was like what the fuck is this yeah, this is like, yeah this I is expected just... them to be like a death metal band or something yeah it's just like kind of operatic rock yeah. it's really weird yeah it's strange isn't it yeah so yeah same sort of thing the only band that's managed to pull that off is Slipknot like with the... <laughs> yeah, it's like she looking extreme and sounding and even sounding more true mental yeah. yeah that was another that was a big one for you I was going to say yeah first time I ever heard Slipknot do you remember the first time I ever heard Slipknot uh, I do, yeah. It was just definitely via Kerrang, like 100% on the, uh, the videos. I probably first heard them... So I was into this like st- this sort of stuff as in like primary school, like 11, mm-hmm. that sort of age, but no one else really was. So when I got to like high school, that's like when you meet, you're like, oh, there's other people that also like this. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And this guy that I know used to record VHS tapes of MTV2, Love it. So he was like, just put it on MTV and just record the whole thing and then it's like, give it out so you could borrow it. Okay. So I didn't have Sky or anything. Yeah, neither did I. I yeah. That's the thing, going to a friend's house and yeah. watching Kerrang! Yeah. or MTV2 was yeah. like a big thing. Yeah. So this is like, first year of high school, at 12 years old, like getting these VHS tapes. Mm-hmm. It's like the first place I ever heard of Deftones. Oh yeah. Like all that sort of stuff. And so the first time I ever heard Slipknot, I'm sure, was on a VHS video for Wait and Bleed. Yeah, those early videos were mad. Yeah. And because it seemed, what was also crazy as well was, because I was certainly was unaware of them, I think most people in the UK were, when you saw the videos, they were also playing like massive festivals. Cause, yeah, already. Yeah, because yeah, yeah, yeah. you, I think you could make the assumption when you're young that you assume that when the first album comes out, like they've been a band for six months. Where, yeah, you know, yeah, They'd yeah. obviously done albums before yeah. and like, you know, yeah. several EPs or whatever. Yeah, so, totally. And see so, yeah, when you see like a video of them playing, and it was like a huge stage. Like shit, this band's massive. Really. Yeah, like this, this is, is cool. the biggest band in the world. Yeah, immediately. Um, yeah, but I remember seeing that and then just like turn my world upside down. Yeah, do you know what I mean? It's a lot. Because every like at that age, like everything you hear is suddenly the heaviest thing you've ever heard. Mm. So like you listen to Nirvana and you're like, this is the heaviest thing I've ever heard. This is so heavy. Mm. Then you hear a Slipknot and you're like. Oh my god, this is the heaviest thing, and do you know what I mean? Every band you hear, like, this is the most insanely heavy yeah. thing I've ever heard. 
the Sutnall had it all because they had the, the good lyrics and good songwriting oh, as well. All of it. Yeah, all it still it. holds up. Isn't yeah, it? absolutely. And like, you've never seen anyone else like wearing masks. Like, didn't know who they were. Yeah, we were talking about it yesterday, weren't yeah, we? The whole just... thing is just like, uh, yeah, it's captivating. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? From a right from the get go. Yeah. Did you see him? You saw him on that disaster pieces tour. You said, didn't you? Yeah. What year would that been? Two thousand and. One or two, yeah, I don't remember because the, the self title came out what 1999, I think so, yeah, yeah. So I got that, and then I think that tour was just right when I was about to come out, yeah, yeah. I think I was maybe even out already. Yeah. I saw him on that tour, um, which was my first ever gig, nice down in Brighton. It was yeah. one with In Flames, One Minute Silence, yeah, and Down the Sun. That's right, same <laughs> yeah. tour, yeah, because that was the one they released a DVD for in London. Ah, but I went the next day in Brighton, yeah, I see, I yeah. see. But yeah, I'm pretty sure that would have gone up to Glasgow, for sure. Yeah. Huge tour at that yeah, time. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. They did play once before that in Glasgow, but I wasn't allowed to go. Yeah. I was too young. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't, I wasn't even, I kind of wanted to go, I liked them, but it was my cousin that wanted to take me. Uh-huh. He wanted to see them, he's quite older than me as well. So he was just kind of interested in it. Mm. So mm-hmm. I remember being terrified. I was yeah. so scared. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, moving back into kind of, yeah, the kind of, how did you find the hardcore scene out of all this, like through all this mist? Well, I was in, a, so I was actually in like a metal band when I was like 13. I think everyone was. I think that was the law. Yeah, but like a death metal band. <laughs> oh, right, yeah. When I was like 13 years old. Yeah. Like 13, 14, with like all these older guys from school. Mm-hmm. There was like fifth years of my school, so they're like 16 maybe, 17, yeah. I was like 13. Playing guitar in this metal band. Did the demo, got it reviewed in Metal Hammer. Like it. Yeah. <laughs> what did you get, do you remember? Uh, what did you get at school? Was it just like a, a positive? I can't remember. Yeah. I can't remember. Um, but that didn't last very long after that. I was just like too young to do stuff. Mm. You can't fucking, you can't like play gigs during the week when you're 13, really. No, it's not allowed. It's not on. Yeah. So. After that, yeah, you just like start, just like make new friends and like, especially when you're like skateboarding and stuff, you like hang about town and just like see other people. He's got a Slipknot t-shirt on as well. Yeah, yeah. Let's just be mates with him. Yeah. And then... I don't know, because to me, like Glasgow is obviously, it's definitely a massive city, mm-hmm. but... In comparison to London, oh yeah. In terms of like, if you're walking around town, yeah. Because you were saying yesterday we bumped into loads of people, which is true we have. Yeah. But it seems like you do that more in Glasgow. So was there more of a inner circle, small scene, or kind not? of? So when I, so when we kind of got into, so I started a band, um, with the guy, the singer from By My Hands was Chris. So that was around 2003, probably. Okay. So I was, like, was that a hardcore band or was it? Well, it was kind of like I don't know what. Yeah. It was kind of just like, do you want to do something? And like, yeah, okay. So he probably he's a couple of years older than me, so he probably was was listening to like Hatebreed. Okay. At the time. Yeah. So he probably gave me a copy of Satisfaction mm-hmm. by Hatebreed. Yeah. Uh, and I was probably listening to Darkest Hour, Darkest Hour, stuff like that. Oh, so you came in via the kind of metal Kind of, yeah. kind of, but also probably at that age, like, still listening to 
Slipknot, but like not telling anyone. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? There was like a kind of period where as you got into Hargus, yeah. you probably shouldn't tell people that I still like Green Day. Yeah. Do you know yeah, what I mean? Or true, like yeah. whatever. It takes you years later to admit that. It's yeah, cool. totally. Yeah, 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 absolutely. You kind of like dip away from it and come back to it. Uh, okay, yeah, because. So. Yeah, the metalcore thing, that. Because there is different yeah, avenues into hardcore and definitely, yeah, via kind yeah. of darkest hour yeah. and bleeding through. And yeah, stuff, yeah, like. yeah, 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 yeah. Assu- you have to assume that that's how all these. how that genre started. It's like some someone who likes metal and someone who liked hardcore just like make a band together. Oh yeah, totally. Because that's yeah. kind of like what it was. Do you know what I mean? And that yeah, still exists, of course. Yeah, like, yeah absolutely. You just uh, you you draft in the nearest bassist who happens to be a massive. <laughs> no, the nearest guitarist. Nearest guitarist, sure. Yeah. It's like, can you just play the bass instead? <laughs> um. So so yeah, so those kind of like older people. Um, just kind of like feed your music, don't they? That's kind of just what happens. Yeah. So, so how how did this lead into officially starting By My Hands? Or did you do anything with the band before? Or did it turn into By My Hands? No, we just like, I don't know, I think I met him from going to like the local like unders metal club. Oh yeah, I think, have at I seen, have I seen, cat, a, at the cat house, yeah, I think so. Have maybe. I seen a photo of you wearing a Pantera t-shirt in there or something? Not Pantera, mate. Okay. Fucking forget them. <laughs> <laughs> probably a Cradle of Filth t-shirt or something that's like that. It, yeah, yeah maybe. That, yeah. Um, so probably met. I think I met him in there, and they used to do the hardcore half hour. Oh yeah. So it was like it would be like all like Slayer and like all stuff like that. Yeah. But they do the hardcore half hour. It was like hate breed and sick of it all and whatever. Yeah. So probably met him through that. Started the band. Yes, and then it's got so he'd probably you just get like given CDs from everyone around you. Yeah. Um, but what what were the was there any other bands at that time that was you kind of trying to emulate like what, like what local, local bands? Yeah. So the band the, there were probably two bands, which is Broken Oath. Oh yeah. And Divide. Yeah. Who are like they are like older than. They so they were, they were existing they, at the time. They were existing. They yeah. were like kind of the generation before us. Yeah. Again, they were pl- they were playing like metal shows. Yeah, really. Do you know what I mean like it wasn't there wasn't hardcore shows really. Okay, yeah. So they were pl- just playing on on bills with like the local like grindcore band. Okay, yeah. Or like the local death metal band. And perhaps get a touring support for a metal band or something like on a local one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or like they would have to travel. They would have to come down to London to play with other hardcore bands. If yeah. you see what I mean. Yeah, yeah. But that probably that probably shaped. Their sound a little bit broken off. That's true. Quite, we're kind of met quite metally. Yeah, but um, so but going back to as I mentioned us before, mm-hmm. so before by my hand starts and before you with Chris and his other band, when did you start playing guitar? Because that's like, probably a key part of it. Uh, <laughs> when I was at primary school, because my dad played guitar. Oh okay. He was just like self-taught, so there was always guitars lying around, and I guess I just picked one up. And went to like I think I went to lessons like at the local library like mm-hmm. group lessons. All oh, right. When I was like probably eleven or something like that, ten or eleven. That's interesting. But just the that's just like the worst. Do you know what I mean? Being like in a room of fifteen other people with yeah. your guitar and just yeah. like because that's kind of not the normal route. Most people pick up a guitar and just sit there and can't play for years. Yeah, and then kind of but out. I kind of still. Probably couldn't play after that because that like that was mostly just like okay we're gonna spend six weeks practicing the chord of E mm. and you could all strum the chord of E and obviously when you're like 
10 or 11 years old, you're like, this hurts my fingers. Yeah, definitely. And this Still hurts my fingers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so probably just like, I was like, ask my dad, like, can you show me some riffs? And then just like show you the classics. Here's uh, Smoke on the Water by Deep Purple. That's it. Brilliant. I just play that for a year. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? I just play that every day for a year. Of course. Um, but so, what was your um, what was your first guitar purchase? Did you get a Flying V or anything? Did you get a classic? no? Well, I had an acoustic first because that's what my dad. Oh, okay. Really has really just went to like the local music shop, just got like a small acoustic, mm-hmm. and then I think probably for Christmas I got like a cheap like a Westfield electric guitar yeah. or something like that. Do you know what I mean? Like one of those. Which obviously at the time was like, it's the best thing you've ever seen. Was it like a, a metal guitar? Not at all. Okay. It was like a, it was like a strat shaped kind of thing. Yeah, okay. Just like a fake Fender, do you know what I mean? Yeah. But I used to like, when I was in primary school, I used to, they used to get me up in front of the assembly at primary school mm-hmm. to just like play guitar songs, to like get up and play Wonderwall while like some girl from my class would like sing it. Really? Yeah. Which, like, looking back on it, is it's mental. It's it? pretty bizarre. Yeah. I once played um, Alkaline Trio Radio on acoustic guitar in right. front of like a parents' e- not a parents' evening, like a kind of I don't know, it was like a talent line or something. Uh-huh. I still I remember like being like forced into it, and I really didn't enjoy it. I also just couldn't play the song. And I'm not very good at guitar. <laughs> and, like, how many people are going to know that song? No, yeah, but like I definitely messed it up, and just I think I just ended up playing the chorus twice because it was just easier. That's fine. Yeah. No one knows. That's, no one knows. That's fine. Yeah. <laughs> Flag it. <laughs> so, yeah, probably did that. So then, how did you figure out how to play hardcore? I mean, it's only one, three, four, but how did you figure that out? <laughs> Who taught you? Um, Who told you the secret? Mate, tabs. Oh yeah. Tabs teach you. It's true. It's. But there's not many hardcore tabs. Though. That's the thing. Nah. So, but so again, I probably will. So there's always a there's a period of time probably where I was. Just liked anything with a guitar in it. Yeah. So of course it was like Oasis, and um, Cooler Shaker. You having that? You remember them? I mean, I remember them. I don't remember having guitar. Yeah. Come really? on. Really? Yeah. That's All them that. kind of like that. So you learn to play that stuff. Mm. I guess, and then you learn to play power chords. Yeah. Smoke on the water. You go. I can play this with chords. Yeah. Now. Of course. That's the, mate, that's the building blocks of hardcore. Learn a power chord, that's it. It's true, yeah. That's all you need. And then you just got to go for one, three, four. You just got to go for And it. open as well. Absolutely. You really have to use open as well. That's it. Um, so, yeah, the first metal guitar probably I got was classic Warlock. Mm. Still got it. Yeah. Still got it at my dad's house. Nice. Because, um, of course, that's what the guy from Slipknot played. Ah. The Warlock. It's it's pretty mad how you kind of growing up you didn't the kind of um, like having a signature guitar like yeah. really influences you right absolutely I, I really really wanted like a a pink Fender Strat because like Tom DeLonge played one not a pink one like a mm. surf green mm. one and to me that was like the best thing ever like, I could not believe I never bought one because by the time like, I had the money to buy one I was like I'm gonna buy that piece of shit yeah, <laughs> like, yeah I'm over it I'm over it. <laughs> But yeah, it's really influential, isn't it? Like the kind of the sponsorship thing. Absolutely. And especially like, especially if you have grown up um, going to like guitar lessons or whatever and playing acoustic guitar and then someone's playing a warlock. Yeah. Like, what is that? Absolutely. That's insane. <laughs> so, bought one of them but bought like this 
Not the signature one. It was too expensive. Yeah, did you get so the... there was like a basic model of it. Yeah. Without all the like slipknot stuff on it. Not the jazz on it. Because he had like stuff like engraved on his fingerboard and stuff, didn't he? Yeah, yeah. Remember None that. No, mm. no, unfortunately. <laughs> so I got that and just like, yeah, trying to find tabs for Metallica and okay, yeah. Slayer and whatever. Just like, yeah. So how does this? Uh, so getting back to before, how does Buy My Hands start? How does it start? It just start. It just started probably from meeting Chris, and probably at the time I was the only like young person about it that was playing guitar and like keen to actually get. And something. like, I, I guess had already been in a band. Really, did it? Was your aim to always be in the band? Like, I think so. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think like right from that young age of playing in front of the assembly at primary school, you're like quite like this. Yeah, if you're forced into it and you see it's achievable. Yeah, quite like it when people clap. Yeah. Even when I play bad. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? It's true, yeah. Yeah, quite like that. So, yeah, probably. So, so then, how, how, was, how, did, uh, how was the rest of the band formed? Like, how was it? Um, I don't know. We just, like, sort of picked up members from around. Mm. I mean, it's, I'm, I'm sure every hardcore band is just exactly the same. Just like Every band. Who's not even hardcore band. Every yeah, band. Yeah, just, like, who is... Who can hold a bass guitar? Yeah, like doesn't doesn't matter if they can't play it. Like they'll learn to play it. Yeah, of course. Do you know what I mean? And they're like, oh, he's got a mate that's a drummer. Get him in, and then you go through like five other guitarists. Yeah, before you find someone you can tolerate. Because you had a uh, your your sort of early lineup was quite changing, but by the end you were pretty solid, right? Yeah, like my, midway through. Yeah, so probably at the start, one of my friends from primary school probably played drums. Okay, because he had a drum kit. Yeah, that's the minimum that's requirement. The, yeah, so minimum yeah. requirement. Couldn't that's, play it. No, well, of course not. You just had it. No, you just had it. So, like, <laughs> right, you've got a drum kit, so you just learn to play that. And then we'll do this band. So, and like, Chris is not, Chris couldn't play any instruments. Mm. So, it was, it was a case of like, well, here's a Hatebreed CD, so like, just copy that. Just like, yeah. just like, write something that sounds like that. Rejig it. Yeah, here's some like mad hardcore CD from America. Yeah. Here's a, like a compilation of bands you've never heard of from America. Just play something like that. Yeah. So that's probably how it started. And so where, you did a demo first, right? Yeah, 2004. How was that? Where did you record? Recorded uh, in Brigton in Glasgow and like some... Like Chris just sorted it out because again he was like older. Was he the band organiser? Kind of, yeah. He was just like the older yeah. guy. So he kind of just thought like, well, he, he knows what he's doing. Do you, was that the first time you'd recorded? Or did you no, record so that? I recorded when I, like, in that really, really young band. Right, okay, yeah. So I kind of knew like what was going to happen. I kind of knew how it was going to go. Yeah, because I, I remember yeah first recording and it was just, just terrifying. Like, yeah. I just had no idea how yeah. it works. But yeah, it's quite... So yeah, I had recorded like with that with that really young band. Um, but so like Chris knew like the guys from Broken Oath. Okay from going to shows I guess mm-hmm. so I guess he was just like how do we record yeah. and they were like well we've recorded here so just go there classic yeah yeah. so I just did that did a demo hadn't played any shows mm. at all that's unusual isn't it it is unusual well uh, kind I, of I, yeah I don't know yeah. I don't know we were just like we'll do this demo and let's see if anyone likes it and actually when we were in the middle of recording that demo um, Andy from Asriel who was another local band 
at mm. the time who had like kind of just started but they'd played shows yeah so we were like oh wow they've already played shows that's cool yeah he actually phoned chris while we were recording like, can you we, we need a band for this show mm. the barfly can you play it and like i guess so yeah so yeah. we kind of like forced into playing our first show that's cool though that's yeah. all right yeah yeah we just like f- the de- so we kind of tried to get this demo like ready mm. for this show and just like handed it out did you do lots of replicated CDs? Of course. <laughs> like printing covers like in your... Ridiculous, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it's nonsense. Going to Asda and buying all the clear the CDs. Cases, yeah. One, the clear. And the clear, yeah. Trying things. to find out who sells them. It's yeah, difficult. Yeah. yeah, and it's just a stack of blank CDs and you're just sitting like copying them on your computer, yeah. Yeah. I don't miss that. No, not at all. Um, Digital age. Yeah, so just <laughs> handing them out. Playing the first show, I just loved it. People, yeah. Like, and it was like, it was that sort of time where I was just like, all your mates would just go nuts. Like, it doesn't matter who was playing, everybody would just like go fucking so mental. Was, was that a start of a scene because you said a broken oath and then Azure? Yeah, yeah. So, you... so you had like broken oath and like divide. Yeah. So then, as soon as you've got Azrael and By My Hands, yeah. suddenly you've got a four band bill. De- definitely, yeah. Do you know what I mean? And I'm sure that there was other, you know kind of metal bands that were sorry that were still uh, around so there's yeah. still like metal bands on these shows but you can do like a more of a mixed bill which is perhaps more weighty in the hardcore favour yeah 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 like, absolutely yeah. so then it just becomes like more and more and then you get that's when you start to get into like GHC classical hardcore all that yeah. kind of like actual scene yeah. really uh, from, from what I can see anyway so, I think the next thing you did, if I'm right, is the Zone 6. Uh, zone 6, mate. <laughs> was zone it, 6. Was the next thing you did, the CDC split? Nah, nah. so we did... Okay. So we did oh, and no, you did the another lesson learn, was it? Yeah, but we did like a ton of demos. Okay. So, we did a, a 2004 demo, and then we just did like loads of demos. Right. So, there's like... A, some people still got them. Yeah. There's like a ton of like... We're going to have to get them online for this thing. I don't know what... Some of, <laughs> I don't know if any of them are, are online. Some of them are. We've... All of our stuff's on Bandcamp yeah. for free, like the, basically the full back catalogue. Like that first demo was probably missing because that's just like, no yeah, one's you don't, you don't have that. Nah, yeah. you don't want that. That's a, but it will soon be on Spotify and iTunes and stuff as extra as well via either project. Yeah, absolutely, so, yeah. 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 I mean, if you can find it. Well, no, you, you can find the All the stuff from Bandcamp, we can download yeah, it. Download it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Once yeah. yeah. um, you get some sample clearance. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so... Ton of demos, then we did, yeah, so another lesson learned was 2005, that's kind of like a longer EP, not quite an album. I think it was was like, it seven? I think there's seven tracks yeah. on it. Yeah. Just like, that's a bit of a mad number. Yeah, it's a bit, because it's, it's not an EP and it's not an album, nah. it's just you done... Oh, we've got a delivery. Postman's just bought some contact lenses through. It's not blinds. It's not blinds, no. So how did you how did the Zone Six connection come through? Um, good question. MySpace, probably. Yeah. Or because had you played shows in London at that point? You must have done. The first show we ever played in London was at the Trinity Bar. Oh yeah, Is that classic. Right? Yeah, Harrow on the Hill. Mm-hmm. That was a good venue for a minute. 
Was it? Yeah. <laughs> That's a good choice there. I think we came down with Broken Oath. Again, ah, yeah. Classic, they were coming down to play. Yeah. Just come with us, because again, they were older than us. Yeah. They had experience, we didn't know... How, how to drive to London. Is, yeah, is no big, idea. How far away is that? Very far. Yeah, miles away. Yeah. Played with... Broken Six Foot Ditch. Oh, yeah. They were playing um, with one guitar and a drummer. That was it. A vocalist. Oh, okay. Yeah. No bassist. No bassist, no second guitarist. Maddest thing I've ever seen. People throwing like pint glasses around the room. I might have been there. That seems sounds like the sort of show I'd been. It would have been. Theo at. was definitely there. Yeah, he would have been there. He was there wearing a knuckle dust too. <laughs> so that was the first time I met him. I was like probably sixteen. Yeah, definitely. Fifteen, sixteen years old, something like that. Mm. Um. So from there, I get like just meet tons of people. Yeah, and then like. Tried to play London again, like playing like twelve bar, yeah, all that sort of thing. Going to Essex to play like Three Swords Fest, yeah. Uh, was it not called Essex Fest? Yeah, maybe Three Swords Records. records. Yeah. Sorry, yeah, yeah. Because I think I I must have met you around that time as well. Yeah, but I would have said so. Yeah, I feel like I'm probably met you in Essex first as opposed to London, but yeah, yeah, maybe. Yeah, I think we played that uh, Essex Fest the same time as you. Mm. I remember you playing the same day as us. Yeah, yeah. I. Just, um, so that is probably where the Zone Six, yeah, thing came from. MySpace through MySpace, probably. Probably, yeah. So they put that out. Another lesson learned. That's two thousand and five. So that's still quite metally though. So like metalcore. Yeah, when you think about it, yeah, some pretty mad artwork on that as well. Some pretty mad artwork. Is the guy just dying in the street or something? Well, that's just what happens, isn't it? Yeah. When you're that sort of age. <laughs> no, Espe- oh, yeah. especially when one of the first CDs you bought is Cannibal Corpse. Well, you just get influenced, yeah. Yeah, that's... Just kill a bloke in the street and take a photo of it. Yeah, the absolutely. <laughs> the person on the front of that photo is Gav, who is, like, the hardcore merch guy. Oh, okay. If you're a hardcore band and you needed a merch guy, that was it. He, that was, him. he was a guy. Also for photo shoots. Also for, just for <laughs> anything. Nice. Um, so then, was it the, the split after that? Yeah, so the CDC split came after that. Hmm. I'm pretty sure that came about through um, Soul Seek. Oh yeah. So like Chris was like right into Soul Seek. Yeah, I mean, was really into it as well. There's like there's like a community on Soul Seek. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow, that's super interesting. Yeah, I didn't know that. So CDC were trying to come over to the UK. Yeah. And I'm pretty sure. Chris was friends with Dave Heck yeah infamous Dave Heck yeah on Soulseek just like by sheer coincidence just raiding each other's libraries so just absolutely yeah yeah, yeah. and he I think was saying I'm trying to get CDC to come to the UK wow what a crazy connection yeah <laughs> just like freak yeah, yeah you know coincidence so they came here and then I, th- I think after they came here then we did the split yeah so two tracks each. Was there only two? I thought it was more than that. I think it's two each. Okay. There maybe is. There's maybe two and an intro each. Oh yeah. Two point five. Intro, it's a cop out. Uh, two point five <laughs> songs. Um. So that was in two thousand and six. So that was all like quite in quick succession. To be honest with you, that that happened. That was like at the time that felt like the biggest thing. Absolutely. Doing a split with a band from America is pretty cool. Oh, unbelievable. Like, especially when it's, it's such an 
unobtainable thing where the world was larger than because the online yeah. communities weren't as yeah totally yeah. totally uh, so we did that um, and pretty quickly after that I decided we were going to tour the States yeah I was going to ask you about that that's, yeah. a, that's a mad thing not, yeah. not many bands from the UK managed to actually make it out there yeah yeah, that's a crazy thing so I mean at this time we were just playing like all the shows possible yeah you did good, like, good, I, good reputation I was time. at high school yeah so like we were playing shows where I was having to like go into school and be like I've got to play a gig tonight and it's in Dundee like can I like leave at lunchtime I because I remember meeting you I always thought you're older than me and yeah. we're only a month actually apart yeah, yeah, yeah. for some reason I always thought you're older because it seemed like you guys were like a pretty solid touring unit you were always around yeah. very organised with your gear you turn yeah. up play the show very professional and leave yeah, I was like, I was like it must be older than us yeah, <laughs> yeah totally yeah. Um, I was I was the youngest in the band though, mm. so the other guys are older yeah um, definitely we were doing like a bunch like just playing like anything yeah just, you know going to like Dundee or Aberdeen like on a Monday night just yeah. play absolutely any any show going so I started school so I left school when I, I left school when I was 16 and like got a job in a guitar shop like on the weekends well got a, good, a, a job in a guitar shop on the weekends when I was at school mm-hmm. then like just went full time straight away when I left school Got another couple of like retail jobs. So I was um, when I was seventeen, mm-hmm. I was working in H and M, and that's when we found out we were going to go to the states. Wow! Yeah, that's young. Yeah, <laughs> I was seventeen, and I quit the job in H and M because they wouldn't give me the time off. Wise move. Classic. Yeah. yeah. Um, quit that job to go to America and do this tour, mm-hmm. and I, I think I. I don't even think I was 18 yet, or I just turned 18. Yeah. How, how long was the tour? Uh, two weeks, I think we were there for. But it was kind of like, the first day we were there, like we didn't do anything. And mm-hmm. like, so we flew to like to New York and Dave Heck picked us up. But he lived in Lansdale, Pennsylvania. Right. So we had to drive back there. Yeah. And then like, kind of get organised and like play the first show like round about there. Mm-hmm. And then like hit the road, really. First show in Lansdale was like mad. Yeah. Uh, so all these like all these like local guys from Pennsylvania like all dressed up as Braveheart. That for, is <laughs> Yeah, like painted faces, like swords and stuff. Um like Joe Hardcore was there. Yeah, yeah. He was involved Isn't in he that. into that anyway. Yeah, I was like, yeah, he's like, he, he, he already had the equipment. Maybe it started from that. Yeah. Um so we were playing this like local show and like at the time I probably didn't quite appreciate like how important that show was for their scene because the, the show that, that they had put us on was like all of these like local legends okay. so like Strike Back like Dysphoria all the like bands that were like reforming okay. for a reunion show and like album release shows like so I think Strike Back were like reforming yeah. all these like local like legends yeah. we were on this bill I've actually got a t-shirt that's got the flyer printed on it for that show amazing that, that Dave Heck made so how did the set go down was it like was it good? It was good. Yeah. It was really good. We also did an all-out war cover, which that's, was like... going to help, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Just won everyone over. Yeah. Actually, that was... A, so that was the first night, first show. Uh, someone was moshing with a water jug and hit Chris in the face with it after our set, I think. Right. And he got a concussion. 
and like a massive but so for the whole tour he had like a bloodshot eye like a huge black face so like so from the outside perspective you come into a show these four guys from Glasgow you're like oh these dudes are hard mm. I'll find you some black <laughs> this guy this singer's got a black eye look at him mm-hmm. like, <laughs> reputation precedes you so then like I would need to do you know what I should have found the, the routing for that tour but it was basically from like New York went down like through the middle of America mm-hmm. to, like Louisiana right like into Texas Jeez. so they, they were just they had just booked this tour of like where have we got friends yeah let's just go there so all through like, the middle of America like into Mexico wow yeah so then from Mexico like pretty much all the way back yeah um the day before or the two days before we left we did like a 45 hour drive wow that's yeah. a lot to get but it was like two two days like full driving all the way back to get to back to New York for us to fly home Jesus that's yeah too much of anything oh far too much um, and then so like when when you do something like that when you're like 18 years old you think you're the biggest band in the world definitely yeah like when you come home yeah do you know what I mean uh, so I came home the first show we played when we came home was with Knuckle Dust Knuckle Dust had come, up, come all the way up to Glasgow oh wow that's cool Knuckle Dust Divide and, and By Our Hands awesome yeah that's pretty interesting yeah it was cool so the, we were always kind of like quite like through, dividing broken off we're on Ruction Records yeah so we were always kind of like in with that in cahoots yeah we were yeah. always like kind of you know on the on the periphery of that sort of scene yeah like knowing all those guys kind of from the get go yeah um, yeah you guys played a lot of gigs so it was a uh, yeah I remember you just on every lineup possible and like yeah, yeah our bands played together like numerous times oh yeah well, absolutely so, yeah. all the time yeah Um. But then, like, that was like the days when you would just like drive to London overnight and not care and be fine. It's just and it's you drive straight home again. Unbelievable, isn't it? Like the fact you I can't even get anyone together to do a practice. Yeah. Let alone like, you know, on, on a weekend yeah. with, with four weeks notice. Yeah. And then like you try and, but back then we were all just driving up and down the country. Yeah. Yeah, on a Tuesday and then just. And we were like we were like putting buses on, at the time. So if we were playing in London, we were like organising coaches. Oh, really? Or if we were playing in Aberdeen, we'd organise coaches for all our mates. Oh, really? And, like, yeah, we'd just, like, get coaches, like, 30 people on a coach to, like, go to this show. So, especially in, like, Dundee, anytime we played in, like, Dundee, which is, like, an, maybe an hour and a half from right. Glasgow, it was just, like, all people from Glasgow at these shows. <laughs> That's good. Yeah, it was all right. It's, like, now, you just wouldn't happen now. Unbelievable, yeah. yeah. All sorts of insurance problems. <laughs> <laughs> so... So what happens post that? Uh... Post that we, so we're playing a bunch of shows and we become like best mates with like the, the guys from Azrael. Okay. So it's kind of like like the good uh, the thing that I liked about that scene was just like there was all like all different types of hardcore. Yeah. It was, like, it was more like that in Glasgow probably just because there was less bands. Yeah. So we kind of got lumped together. Yeah. Just kind of like metal bands and hardcore bands, metalcore whatever. So we're like really, really, really good friends with those guys. Mm-hmm. And they were like doing pretty well. They were they on T Done. They were on T Done. Yeah. Um, or they had just signed to T Done mm-hmm. after they'd done a couple of EPs, yeah. which were pretty popular. And they'd been on. They'd been on tour with Bring the Horizon, Architects, yeah. um, 
Ed McRae's band, what were they called? Centurion. Centurion. <laughs> All those kind of bands were like, oh, that was amazing. Yeah. Um, so 2007, probably, their bass player left and they asked me if I would play bass, like fill in for them on bass for some shows. It's the classic filling and enjoying. This is classic, <laughs> just never leave yeah, after yeah. that. Um, so I did that. So that at this point you're in you're in two bands. We're in two which bands, are fairly popular and playing a lot. Yeah, but playing together a lot, so yeah. f- we're fine. Doubling not up. not a lot of yeah, not a lot of clashes. Okay, just doing the double sets. Yeah, just using someone else's bass. Always. Just using them whatever. So wait, were you guys in different tuning at that point? Yeah, mm. so I'm playing guitar and by my hands playing bass. Oh, of course, yeah. And uh, and Azrael don't have a bass. Yeah. Um, but still, like that scene at the time was just like. Even if you didn't have, that, have an amp, you just like turn up. Didn't matter. Yeah. Like, yeah. Just, can I borrow that? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so 2007, we so I kind of like joined them just as they were they were like halfway through writing their first album. Okay. So I kind of like joined in at the end, you know, the second half of writing this album. Yeah. So then we went to T Don said they would put it out. Yeah. Very exciting. Definitely. A huge label at the time. Yeah, so, and then T Dunn said, Well, we're going to send you to Barnsley for two weeks to record this album. <laughs> so because, yeah, yeah, that's a sentence. Because we hate you. Yeah, sentenced to two weeks in Barnsley. Yeah. Because he had a mate there that had a studio. Cool. So, there, two weeks recorded an album called A Will of Fire. A Will of Fire? A Will of Fire. Okay. I must admit, I don't know much about Israel. That's fine. <laughs> I know some, so good, we're good. all right. Uh, that came out in 2008 on T-Done. Nice. What was the... So what other tours were happening around that time for, for Azrael? Or did you were you not touring at that time because you were writing? No, we were we were still playing shows. So I was like, I was in By My Hands who were playing with LBU bands all yeah. the time. Um, with like CDC, you know, bands that were coming over from the mainland, like beatdown bands, yeah. all that kind of scene. Yeah. Um, and later on bands like Nasty, like all that kind of stuff. And Azrael were like kind of splitting into a slightly different scene. Definitely, like, yeah, yeah definitely. Not too different, because at that point they were still quite like... Yeah, agreed, yeah. Yeah, um, especially like in the Midlands. Okay. There was like, see that whole like T-Don thing and like Shows and Joe as well and it was just like all types of bands. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it didn't matter there. It so didn't much, really yeah. matter. So, But they were kind of like breaking into a scene where they were playing with more bands like Horizon and Architects and, you know, those like more kind of like scene bands. Like that sure. whole like scene thing was kind of starting up. Yeah. You know, yeah. Like big fringes and tight jeans and stuff like that. Yeah. So... I was kind of like in those like two slightly different worlds. Yeah, definitely. Which, well, yeah. which also like came together. At some yeah, because looking back, that you know they were very different. But yeah, I know you were saying at the time it didn't seem it didn't, like it wasn't yeah. an issue. No yeah, one cared. absolutely. Like, like you, there was shows that we played that were by my hands and Azrael and Bring Me the Horizon. Yeah, like at the Well in Leeds or whatever like that. And sure. It, you didn't really think about it too much, I guess. Mm. So they were kind of doing that. A Will of Fire got really good reception when it came out. Mm-hmm. So they immediately were kind of like, they were all of a sudden like quite a bit bigger than By My Hands at the time. Yeah. Like in this kind of different, in this kind of like ghost fest scene, that sort of thing. Well, the hardcore scene, you, you can't you can't just accelerate like that. You can't just suddenly get massive. I mean, you, you can gradually build it up and you can have a lot of hype and be a big band for six months, but... 
you know, you're still yeah. going to be back to the same venues. Yeah, Whereas yeah. within Azrael, I mean, with the horizon as the kind of yeah, yeah. the peers, the sky's yeah. the limit. You know, totally, yeah, yeah, those, totally. those sort of bands, there was such a much larger audience for that. Yeah. So by this time, I'm just like in the band. Sure. Just fully, just like, like fucking yes. <laughs> yeah. Like, saw how good this album was doing. Like, Did I'm, you buy a bass? Oh, eventually. Yeah. <laughs> like somewhere way down the line, and it was definitely a terrible bass. Cool. So. Yeah, I'm just like juggling both these bands. And working as well? And working kind of just in retail. Okay. Just like doing whatever. Yeah. Like quitting a job to go into a fine. Who yeah. cares? Um, so, yeah, that did well. It came out on vinyl. Maddest thing I've ever seen in my life. Yeah. Like getting that on vinyl <laughs> in 2008. Like 2008, 2009. Mm. I was just like insane. Because when you did the, the last the record in whenever it was, 2013, 2014, that was on vinyl as well, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, it was blue, I remember that. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. It's kind of a standard thing now, but at the time it was it's just like yeah, yeah. It's so novel, like a massive novelty. Yeah, definitely. I mean, at best you maybe get a 7 inch out, but then getting a 12 inch out was pretty, it's a big deal. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. So then we're kind of getting like all the big support slots in Glasgow yeah um, I'm just trying to think what sort of tours were going on around at that time I think the first tour that By My Hands ever did was By My Hands and Azrael and Love It Kills oh yeah remember them yeah uh, or like Love It Kills and like The Hunt for Ida Wave or something yeah 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 all those kind of bands That's together band, yeah yeah that was so again that was kind of like I mean you could just play with anyone yeah definitely and there was a big sort of we were chatting about the other day with the like the Peel was obviously a big venue for that. Yep. You were saying what was that show? Was the one was a Halloween show? Yep. Halloween show with you, me at six. Yeah. At the Kingston Peel. Which was like was that Azrael as well? That was Azrael as so well. So Azrael and you, me at six, it's fine. Just like, fine, yeah. Doesn't matter, not an issue. Yeah, yeah. just it could not be any different. <laughs> yeah, just completely normal. Burn down Rome, but on that show as well. Correct, exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Just like couldn't be any different. Yeah, but it's fine. So, yeah, kind of just like doing shows all the time and these kind of, you know, um, then By My Hands did an album in 2010. Yeah. Growing Older, Getting Colder, it was That's cold. the one. Yeah. yeah. Which, yeah, again, good response to that. Just even more shows. Who put that record out? It was on that German label, wasn't it? There was a German label, I can't remember what they were called. So we'd been, I think we'd been to Europe like a few times. Mm-hmm. I think we even had gone with Azrael at one point. But again, we were just like going, like driving with Broken Oath to festivals in Belgium f- for one day. Yeah. And then driving back. Just that is so unfeasible <laughs> far from, like, because like, we used to do that from here. Yeah. Which is like from London. It's, it's not really much of a big deal to drive to Belgium back. Obviously, it's a big deal. But from Glasgow, we've got the extra 550 miles. Yeah. That's yeah. an extra like seven hours. Well, I, mean, I don't know what speed you're driving at, but that's, <laughs> that's ten for me. <laughs> um, so yeah, I think a German label had put that out, um, and but pretty quick succession. I mean, like we did that album, then we did another. Like in end of two thousand eleven, we did a seven inch on Purgatory. Oh yeah. So that kind of whole thing was going on. Definitely, yeah. Uh, and again, we just do like all the tours that we could possibly do. Yeah. So I was like, I was like, uh, you know, going off on tour, 
with by my hands in the mainland mm-hmm. for two weeks and like coming back and Azrael would be waiting for me like, yeah. outside my house to go on a different tour amazing to go on tour with I think also Perish or so I, at that point that seems like that's definitely more split because poetry is yeah it, it war, de- was a hardcore label yeah and it had definitely like branched off at this yeah. point everything was more like you know sub-genres yeah whereas when these bands started it was just like hardcore and that was it yeah no, it's like all different subgenres, but so what was because um, Azrael you had a lineup change, but that was that just after this, yeah. That... Um, so that was it was all kind of around the same time to be honest. With you. When I joined Azrael, we played a couple of shows like, with the old lineup, and then like drummers kind of came and went. Mm. But this is still all like people from Glasgow, and okay, but this like after Will of Fire came out in 2008 and like got a good reception then you're talking like 2009 sort of t- like 2009-2010 you're talking about when like we got like a manager okay was, like Polly Towers yeah. from Manchester who was putting on shows in the music box at the time mm-hmm. which we were always playing in there again Manchester had an amazing scene for that Manchester had a great scene yeah. and that was like, like I owe so many friendships to like that yeah. thing do you know what I mean like that place like your demise guys like meeting in Manchester and playing shows together mm-hmm. all the guys from what's now Broken Teeth that's true yeah, yeah. they're meeting Cam as well and Cam yeah. of course Cam putting all his shows on so we ended up with a manager at this time right who uh, he worked for the Artery Foundation yep who's like a management label so then like all of a sudden like we're on this and then we had two European tours with a day to remember like in quite quick succession sure which like was just like unreal yeah they I mean they they really went yeah trajectory was yeah it was huge vertical <laughs> so we like, did tours with them like did some shows in the UK did some shows in Europe and thought this is amazing it was like biggest shows I'd ever played yeah like going to Europe to play thousand cap venues just felt like that is amazing to like play. insane yeah Um. So we're doing that, and then so we're on this management label. Like everything looks great. We're like right, we're like now is the time to do another album. Like this is this is the time. Yeah. And then our singer left. Ah. Because we did two, so we did two tours of a date member, and then we did like we did like a huge stint in Europe with For the Fallen Dreams, like four weeks long. Jesus. In Europe. What happened for Fallen Fallen Dreams? Yeah. Wow. Mate, they're still around. Yeah. Um. Like for, and then the last like show or like second last show, the thing was just like, yeah, I'm done. I mean, that's a long tour. You can kind of yeah, totally. <laughs> yeah. But he was like, you know, yeah. he was planning to do whatever, like go to uni. And okay. I guess like when you're in a band from such a young age, like I just left school and was just like in bands. Yeah. Everyone else that I went to school with went to uni. Yeah. Like straight to university, and I was just like playing in bands. No, didn't go to college, didn't go to university, nothing. Yeah. So I guess like by this point we were like nineteen years old, mm. twenty years old, and I guess he was a bit older. And he's like, I'm, I need to go to uni or something. Like I need to do something with my life, which is a kind of a marvel thing to do because if you're kind of if you're playing these massive shows and you're getting good tours, to then kind of bow out and say I I need yeah I need something to fall back on yeah I think you know it sucks for everyone but yeah so that to be honest you kind of just like halted everything just like you did in the water yeah yeah. just left us like didn't know what to do mm. Um. 
so just like trying to get another singer. Um, the drummer also had left to tour with Mull Historical Society. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't know that. Yeah, the drummer had left. I think he still does that. Okay. Um, had left to that. And like, no singer, no drummer. You're a villain bassist. What's going on? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Like, madness, more, but... <laughs> yeah. Uh, but obviously, like, in a good position, like, that we sh- probably shouldn't waste this. Yeah, so, so had, um, so you're both guitarists, so Andy and, or did your guitarist change as there well? Was, no, there was guitarist change earlier on, but this time Andy, and, at this point, Andy and Richard were solid. So they were the like, kind of staple songwriters, so no matter who was around you, the songs yeah. were kind of, you know. Yeah, 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 kind of, yeah. Um, because like, if you lose your, your lead guitarist or your main guitarist or both guitarists, it's to that point up to the new guitarist to emulate what happens before. And mm. kind of so yeah, I feel like because the guitarists tend to write most of the riffs that yeah sort of signify the band yeah. If you had your guitarist still, then yeah yeah, it wasn't it wasn't too bad. But that was tougher than I thought it's it was going to be. It's yeah. a tough thing to replace a frontman. Hundred oh, percent, yeah. And he was a good he was a really good frontman. Everybody yeah. loved him. So and so this sort of period of time, I'm doing a by my hand seven inch, mm-hmm. uh, or maybe that that's like kind of slightly before that. So kind of like Azu just kind of like was kind of fizzling out. Yeah, okay, yeah. Because we were just doing nothing. Yeah. Trying to write songs. Mm-hmm. The like drummer from By My Hands was coming to the studio to play drums for us yep. for riffs that we were writing because we had no drummer. Yeah. Like trying to write that way. It was just like years, like a year of like trying to write songs. Everyone just losing the will to live. Yeah. So then I did. Seven inch on purgatory with by the hands, that was fine. Um and then in two thousand and twelve like decided to call it a day. I think by my hands really had done everything yeah. that we could have really done feasibly. Yeah, you did you, I mean you did more, more than most bands, like yeah, I mean, a very legit existence. You yeah, know? yeah, I mean it's great. Uh but we, I think we should just decided like you know, everybody's got real jobs now. Sure. We're not gonna do anything more than this. Like yeah. No one's going to quit their job to try and tour full time, so let's just go out on a on a high. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So that was fine. Two thousand twelve. By a hand split up. Play the last show. Um, How was the last Glasgow. show? Amazing. Yeah. Full sets on YouTube. I think. Well, I've seen bits of it. Yeah, yeah. it was great. Yeah. It was that stereo in Glasgow. So all our mates there was like great time. Yeah. So by this time, I had kind of recruited a new singer from Azrael for Azrael. Yeah. Uh, Sort of, we're kind of like testing the water. Sure. With this guy, Rob. Hob Realm. Hob Realm. Um, and they were from Manchester. Yep. Preston, Manchester. So they were kind of like, he and he was bringing his best mate, who was a drummer, drummer up to like try it out. So he, they were kind of coming back and forth, like learning the songs, like we were trying to work out if this was going to. It's a pretty cool thing to find a singer who then has a, a, a best oh, mate who's perfect, a drummer. Perfect, and a great drummer, yeah. Yeah, and just yeah. Uh, come as a package deal. I think they had been in bands before. Sure. So they kind of had uh, previous. Yeah. Um. So kind of was doing that, still trying to write, trying to figure out if these guys were going to work in the band. Um. And they, so I guess eventually we decided to go with these guys. They learned all the songs. We tried to get back on the horse mm-hmm. still playing the old stuff yeah it's tricky for an old vocalist a new vocalist to do old songs yeah very tricky yeah it wasn't too bad though 
Yeah, no, yeah. was all right, but I think we had just we'd lost so much momentum. Yeah. By this point, because if especially in the hardcore scene, if you disappear for a year, yeah, a year and a half, you just forgotten. Yeah, I mean, people like this kind of stems from the fans, to sort of jumping onto the yeah, the next bandwagon, or just not even being interested in hardcore music or metal music at all. Yeah, just moving on to the the classic, getting to electronica, and you know, just yeah, you know, yeah, of course, your fan base happening a lot at that time. Yeah, yeah at that just time, start DJing massively. Yeah, yeah. So around that, there's another band on the scene who you were playing a lot of shows with called Departures. So they were around. At first, they were, they were uh, some of the members were in a band called The Fight Back, so we knew them from that. They were, had done quite well, The Fight Back. Okay. They were like kind of um, a, like a more proper, old-school, hardcore band. Like, I must admit, I've never even heard that name. I no, think. you've never no. heard that name. No, no. So that was like Kino, okay. like Danny was in that band. Sure. Um, I think Trainer was kind of like in and out of that band, maybe. They were more like Champion or something. Okay. More that kind of stuff style so they were also like coming down to England to play shows but with like turn cold okay like, yeah more yeah. like that kind of which again uh, was another another side of it the kind of melodic hardcore side yeah the American Nightmare and one like yeah so and... yeah it was totally American Nightmare it was that yeah kind of thing at okay. that point so yeah by that point like they totally split off yeah so the fight back yeah, yeah. they're like playing shows with these melodic you know, Azrael are like a metal band playing metal shows. And there wasn't, there's definitely not a crossover there. There's no way. Nah, that, there's yeah. not a crossover there. In Glasgow there was. Yeah. Because it's just like everyone's just mates. Mm. It's like playing shows together. But then like somewhere like Leeds or Manchester where there is enough travelling bands or local bands, it's not going to yeah, be. Yeah, it doesn't cross over. Yeah. Nah. So we were mates with them. Um, so 2012, where By My Hands has just finished, Azrael's kind of in a lull. Uh, departures need a bassist, so okay. same thing again. So you can get drafted in again. Yeah, just drafted in draft again. Man. Yeah. <laughs> um, so they had just released Teenage Haze, sure, yeah, which was on Fist in the Air Records yeah. from kind of Essex, Canterbury. I want to say that kind of uh, Kent, isn't it? Kent. I sorry, so, that's yeah. the one, mate. It's all the same. You know, we're not from England. This all the same. <laughs> sorry, Jamie. Uh, so they had just released that. Uh, had done I think maybe a tour or two and then needed a bassist yeah so which is in general you know something that I don't associate you with is uh, melodic hardcore like I think yeah not I mean again it was kind of like when we were younger it was just like we just listened to everything sure just all yeah so like, when, like I could be on tour with Azrael and we were listening to Comeback Kid and Champion yeah but I mean uh, that yeah those like specifically those bands uh-huh. like I don't know Have Heart as well mm-hmm. like everyone listens to those bands um, <clears throat> but what I mean was that, that um, so Departures is very much kind of I don't know like kind of Modern Life's War yeah Modern yeah Modern Life so, those sort of bands but I, I I don't know you as a fan of those bands yeah so I want like I, I get like I came from a totally different sure place from all the guys because they grew up listening to like American Nightmare and like they all really liked the Smiths and okay, yeah. that kind of thing. Right, I just yeah. like never liked any of that. Yeah, like that's I, what I mean, yeah. I'd never heard American Nightmare. Yeah, just like could not, you know, just wasn't something I was like into. Yeah, so we're like, we're all listening to Misery Signals and Poison the Well. Sure, at this point and yeah. Hatebreed. Because yeah, because weirdly like 
uh, in like my band, I I was the one person who didn't listen to particularly too much metal. I did grow up like those guys, uh-huh. like yeah, American Nightmare, One Life Before, all that yeah, sort of yeah, stuff. Yeah. I thought that was amazing, but then was playing in a metalcore band. Yeah, so it's kind of the yeah, perhaps, totally, yeah. totally. So I mean, I did have some. There, there was certain bands. Yeah. That were like an overlap between these two. Mm. Groups, so there was, but like Modern Life was born. I was like, oh my god, you like that band? Yeah. Even though we are like, to, to, oh, you like Misery Signals as well? Even though you're in this like melodic, you know, this, yeah, yeah. this like youth crew type band or whatever. Yeah. So that kind of like, there's a, there was some overlap there. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um. So yeah, joined. But they, just, but the you know the guitarist Danny was just, was just like one of my best mates anyway. Sure, like we're already all best mates. Just was easy. Makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Just, just you know, slipped right in. <laughs> um. So the first thing I did with him was a split with Moose Bud. Yeah. Who at the time were kind of up and coming. Yep. Don't know how that it must have been through Jamie from Kent. Yeah. He yeah. just kind of like shoved us together. What studio did that in? You do. We did it in... Um, was Tom Richfield, did he record that? He was the engine. He was like the kind of assistant engineer or whatever. Right, yeah, so yeah. what studio was that? It's called like... I don't know what it is. Atlas Studios or... It was like something like that. Okay. Down kind of like Essex way. Um, the guy... He's in a band with Lags, the guy who owned the studio. Okay. Um, so I can't remember the name of the studio. But down there, so all the way down there to do this split... I think uh, I think actually Departures had done maybe a split seven inch with a previous band of some of the members of Moose Blood. I think that's maybe how it came about. Okay, yeah. So they started this new band. We did a split a split seven inch, which was like so. That's two thousand thirteen. That was really good for Departures. Yeah, kind of a different scene. It's still that. Songs off of that um, seven inch are still like some of our highest played on Spotify. They would be, yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. Because we had the singer from Moose Blood on one of the songs, and they got pretty big quite quickly. Definitely, it's um. I think splits. If you just because of the nature of what a split was, like with seven inch vinyl, it just don't happen anymore. And it, it does. Mm. It did alert people like growing up. Like I had splits where you kind of you bought it for one band and you inevitably end up listening to the other band. Yeah. And it does work, you know, yeah, it's yeah. kind of forced advertising. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, yeah. Or you discover a band you wouldn't have listened to. Yeah, absolutely. Otherwise, yeah. Yeah. Um, so that comes out 2013, Moose Blood, touring with Moose Blood, you know, doing departures tours again in Europe and whatever. So still writing an Azrael album at this. I was going to say, because... Still that... holding on to this, you know, trying to do something because we had a new singer and... yeah. Um, we still were like doing some tours, like doing headline tours in Europe. Okay. Um, with bands like Demoralizer, okay, supporting yeah, yeah. us, and like some like European bands. But it was still going okay. It was still fine. We're trying to record this album, trying to keep like some sort of momentum. So then we finished an album and recorded it in Perth with Tom, who. Tom Mitchell, who's an old friend uh, who used to be in bands when we were growing up. Okay. Tom the Talent, just good, at, just good at everything. I think he's now like a fashion photographer. Okay. Just like can just do anything that turns his hand to. I hate those people. Yeah. Just really good. Just at naturally, like, so talented. 
was, was just working on this recording studio, was like, I'll record your album. Yeah, yeah. So did that in Perth, but again, like, everyone was so busy, like, I was busy with departures, and like, working, everybody's working, so we were just doing it, like, sporadically. So pacing off. Just, like, taking a day off and doing a day, and, like, so it kind of took a while. Yeah. Took maybe a, six weeks. Okay, yeah, yeah. Eight weeks of, like, tracking. Yeah. To do this album, and by this time, like, Artley weren't interested anymore. Because mm-hmm. we weren't doing any shows, um, and we ended up back on T Don with yeah. this album. Well, you you might have that. This might have been the the final release for T Don. I can't. It think. Might have been. It I don't know if they did another one after yeah, that. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, it might have been. Um, they were still kind of like up until that point. They were still kind of doing a lot of stuff. Yeah. Um. So we just because we were again we were on. We'd spoken to all these like we were on like German labels who had like really good distribution deals, and then it just like just didn't seem right. So we just ended up back on T Don because we just wanted to get it out. Yeah. Like, who do we know that we just put this out? Sure. Did you do a free download download for that? We, I don't think so. Okay. I don't think so. The stream was up, and we were just like. Um, just trying and so we did we toured that when that came out yeah uh kind of wasn't released very well to be honest with you true kind of just people were like not getting their vinyls i've i don't have one i've never had one ah yeah <laughs> I, i've had, i've never even seen one i've seen one it's got yeah. transparent blue isn't yeah, it? Yeah. yeah apparently it's lovely <laughs> so by the t- and to be honest, by that time, by the time the album came out, I think everyone was just like had had enough. I think it'd, it'd probably been so long that, as we discussed before, perhaps the fan base might have moved on. Yeah, just a yeah. bit, bit too much. The album was good; like people did like it. Yeah, I listened to. It, I liked it. Yeah, yeah. like people liked it. Um, but it's just, it's just like more of the members of the band. Just I think it has had enough. Okay. Yeah. You know, we were like trying really hard and like touring and like playing shows and just trying to do stuff, but. Everyone just had their own stuff going on. Yeah. And just like weren't willing to put enough effort into it. Yeah, by that point everyone's a bit older and say so you've got jobs and you can't just yeah. suddenly drive to London yeah. for a night. It's yeah, like, totally, or, totally. Or just take three weeks off work. Yeah, right? yeah absolutely. Just... You can't just like quit your job to go into yeah. really anymore at this age. So, so the focus is kind of at this point the, on departures. It's kind of shifted on to departures. Yeah. By my hands, done. Asriel, we've done an album and it's, you know, not much has happened for us. So, Suddenly the shift is on to departures. Um, so we were like playing with Modern Life as War, mm-hmm. playing with American Nightmare, going to with Modern Life. Yeah, that's the tour that we uh, sort of reconnected our friendship yeah, on. Yeah, we did. Yeah. We kind of reconnected on this Modern Life tour. You were driving them. Yeah. Um, and that tour, weirdly enough, we had Rob Helm from Asriel singing for Absolutely. departures because... James, the departure singer, had got married the day before the tour started. Which, I mean, if you're going to try and go away, you're going to be in a lot of trouble. So. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that marriage is not going to last long if you've no, gone on that tour. Definitely not. But that, that tour was fantastic. It was, it was a great tour. Great tour. Unbelievable tour. And, you know, good reactions sort of every night. And yeah, yeah. Perfect band to tour with for departures. Uh, absolutely, yeah. yeah. It's just like a match made in heaven. Yeah. And just one of those tours, like, it sounds cheesy, but like one of those tours that you just like make friends and like are still friends now yeah definitely like years later yeah. you know all those guys from that band um, so we did that 
Yes, we had two th- the, this, the 7-inch with Moose Bloods that came out in 2013 like, we still had like decent um, kind of momentum going from that Yeah, started writing another album after the uh, More Than Life tour so Teenage Haze had come out on Fist in the Air in the UK but also on No Sleep Records sure, yeah. like in the States yeah. which did wonders I think for us like it's difficult it, when you're not there and you kind of it is difficult, yeah, but like No Sleep had a great reputation at the time. Definitely, yeah, really super cool label. Yeah, like, yeah. yeah, I think like balancing composure, like that kind of whole scene. Yeah. So we that was really good for us, and they were we were playing shows with balancing composure and pianos become the teeth and Tushi Amore. Yeah, but what I mean is that when you're not in the country and if you're not talking to the label enough, you don't realise how well it's going down because yeah. unless someone presents the stats to you, absolutely, like, yeah, it's kind yeah. of absolutely. You know, and this could be his pocket of hardcore is not really the type of scene where you're looking to see the stats. No, definitely not. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So, but it's also not. It's, you know, it can be the scene where people are super excited and post about you, but more often than not, people can listen to you and just never tell anyone. Yeah, absolutely. And never post about it, yeah. and it's just going to be their own thing. And so it's kind of like, well, how far does this reach? Like, yeah. like you know, it's probably some kid in. Australia listening to you right now and you just have no idea ever yeah like, no so ab- it's, absolutely it's going to be one of those weird things absolutely so then in 2015 we got an offer to go to Japan fantastic that was amazing yeah that is, yeah um, to do a headline tour mm. uh, it's just this this promotion company just reached out to us and at first we were just thinking this is never going to happen Fish that's not real H- having not been there before and then you're going to do a media headline tour yeah which is, um, immediately yeah um, with a Japanese band called Otis supporting us yep. who were great great guys so we ended up in Japan like before we knew it we were in Japan yeah like it just happened like really really quickly it's berserk yeah it's insane <laughs> um, which was a, just the maddest thing I've ever done yeah um, best place I've ever been most insane place I've ever been how many shows did you play I think seven shows yeah uh, like six or seven shows over like eight days maybe eight or nine days so we kind of had like um, some touristy some, days yeah like when we got there trying to adjust that is a long journey by the way yeah that is a mission three flights to get there just like to with, with, with your gear as well your guitars yeah, and yeah, yeah 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 totally um, so then when we came back from Japan it was kind of like focus on writing this next album yeah so and do you know what again that was quite tough like by this point uh, 2015 2016 everybody's grown up it's true I remember uh, speaking to to you and Danny and you just being like we just can't get this album written yeah Yeah, as you say like you know when you're younger like you can get everyone to do anything you can get somebody to you, you can drive to London in the blink of an eye yeah to play shows, but by this point, everybody's got everybody's got real jobs. You know, James is married. Yeah. Um, everybody's got proper jobs. It's really hard to get everyone together. Yeah, like, it's super super difficult. But but also not just that. I think Danny was telling me that he just he just couldn't write the songs he wanted to as well. Like actually struggling to write yeah. the songs. It was well. it was hard to get into a groove. Yeah. As I mean, like when it's hard to get everyone together, it's hard to get into a flow of like writing. Sure. Okay. It's so like, um 
disjointed so like you could write half of a song and then it's like it's like two weeks or three weeks before you're back in the studio yeah okay trying yeah. to finish this song from which, a month ago yeah which you've just lost the you know the feeling of okay yeah yeah very difficult yeah and also like by this point I mean I think that the thing that kept us going probably or kept us motivated was we had a lot of stuff to write about Definitely, a departure is that we, you, you said something to me on the train yesterday and I was like, I had never thought about that. Yeah, so, so like by this point, um, Danny, the guitarist, had had cancer hmm. and had beaten cancer, thankfully. But yeah. that was just like, I remember getting the phone call from him and just being like, the most, like the maddest thing, the most unreal thing. Yeah. Um, so I think it was like while he was recording Teenage Haze mm-hmm. the album um, had like not felt right and like yeah so kind of from there so that's you know a huge thing yeah in your life and he's come and, out and, the other side and he's and come and out the other side yeah. but of course it looms over you because yeah, like yeah. I remember like every six months you have to go back mm. like to make sure you're okay yeah, like, yeah. you know every six months and then a year so he's thankfully fine. Mm. Um, and then we'd had like, uh, the other members of the band had had um, relatives like just just die suddenly. Yeah. Like when we were in the middle of Germany and we've had to just like drop tours in the middle and drive home. Yeah. So again, it's like super traumatic. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so there's all this like stuff you know, and they've obviously, they'd had members leave, which was, you know, another, like, it was quite a bad, like... Yeah, it's a sour note. Yeah, yeah. it's a yeah. sour note. So there's, there's loads of stuff, I think, that kind of kept Because yeah, it, that... it is a kind of, it is a, yeah, definitely, as you said, like a Smith's inside, sort of depressing... Yeah. Not, it makes depressing it sound bad, like, um, I don't know how to describe it, but... Well, I, think, I think that's, like, the thing about hardcore, like, see, when you listen to songs on the radio, yeah, all songs are always about, like, love. Yeah, yeah. Like, how good is love? Yeah. Like, how good is it to just, like, kiss a bird? Do you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> but hardcore is, like, I, well, I feel anyway, I could be totally wrong, is, like, one of the genres where it's, like, it's it's always about, it's, like, therapeutic. Yeah, Like, yeah, about the bad yeah. things, it's cathartic, about yeah. the bad things that have happened to your life, and it's... So that probably kept us pushing to finish writing an album. Yeah. Um, which I'm glad you did because I think it's it's fantastic album it's one of the best thanks right um, I think yeah I think it's our, our best album definitely yeah. um, I still love it like I, I don't I'm not often able to listen back to stuff that I've been involved in yeah some saying yeah it's kind of hard to listen to as a as a whole mm. thing but I, yeah I love that actually I, I, I can listen to that album that was done and done in um at the ranch. Down at the ranch. So that's where they did Teenage Haze. Yeah. Um, at the ranch. So they kind of knew Neil. Um, yeah. And Neil had kind of like upgraded a bunch of stuff. Yeah. And like we went, went back down to do this, uh, to do this new album, which was great. Great experience. Like two full weeks just of recording just every day. Yeah. And so it's quite rare to get everyone. It's so. Yeah. Unbelievable. Get yeah. Off, off work and everyone down for that amount of time. Yeah. Yeah, uh, I think we just had finished the album and loved the songs and just just went for it. I think I remember Danny telling me as well that you know some of the songs were sort of. I think you told me that none of the songs have been like played before really as in full. Like 
and then yeah, Danny... it's kind of the way that departures do stuff. To be honest, with you. we had like all the kind of like structures and like riffs, I yeah. guess, and it was kind of just like there's no lyrics. Yeah, yeah. So there was like de- like you know James had like started writing stuff we'd never heard it. But I think that is really normal though to not have any lyrics. Probably, like, yeah, yeah, probably is. And there was like, uh, Danny had just been like writing leads, I guess, on, he, on his own. Yeah, because he, he, I think he said he wrote a, a few songs like you know the night before he came down. Yeah, yeah, and we're just songs. like messing about. I'm, you know, I'm sure every band does that yeah, probably to, to some extent or another. But just like writing just all the leads on the spot. Yeah. Uh, just trying like loads of stuff which that's the luxury you have when you're in the studio for two f- weeks yeah just try stuff yeah rather than just kind of engineering a record it's just like we've written this record we just need someone to like press record yeah 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 With that, like, that's why Neil is so good because he actually he's a producer absolutely yeah, yeah. Neil's great like, Neil's amazing yeah um, and he like since doing Teenage Haze I think like he had just gone from strength to strength absolutely so at this point he's doing like Creeper records he's like producing Creeper records yeah yeah so his experience has just like gone and also he's done also you know kind of landscapes and he's done more than life as well absolutely so absolutely so he's just gone from strength to strength you and know. He, he knows the genre and knows the kind of influences and absolutely so yeah, yeah. absolutely so you know it, it, it was the same studio it was the same guy but it was it was so much better yeah definitely do you know what I mean his experience had just um, grown so much yeah and so that came out on Holy Roar as well so that came out on Holy Roar so initially it was just going to come out on No Sleep yep um, but No Sleep I think were maybe having trouble like focusing or like having all their enough attention on or that we felt they didn't have enough focus on our record yeah in the UK yeah. Like, they're an American label so you know they were going to release it in the States and we felt maybe we should have someone release it in the UK that's a UK label sure that this is their focus UK you know and then that's kind of both the best of both worlds absolutely yeah, yeah. so you put us in contact with Alex at Holy Roar yeah um, and it was I mean, that was as easy as me to send to Alex <laughs> Alex Archer's done the record. Yeah. And he was like, "Well, you know what? I've wanted to sign them for ages, yeah. um, but I just didn't want to step on any toes." Yeah, yeah. And so, so it was perfect. Done. I didn't had nothing worked out. So I just <laughs> forwarded the email on essentially. That's but yeah. I'm, it I'm, did I'm, the trick. I'm glad it worked out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This came out as a a beautiful record. Like, yeah, absolutely. Alex was did a great job. And the the artwork as well. I remember you sent me that photo, and I was like, "If you don't use that, I will." Yeah, absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. We just, just like I had just found this photo. Uh, from Glasgow from the 70s or 80s and it was just a perfect photo if you've yeah. seen the cover of the record you will know that if not look it up it's, yeah, it's, it, it's perfect it just works so well with the title of the record which is which is <laughs> Death Touches Us from the moment we begin to love which might be the most depressing album name maybe ever perhaps yeah I, like when, when James told me this is what I wanted to be called I was like I'm sad now <laughs> it's great but I'm so sad yeah I would take rain for a record. Yeah, it's, yeah. It, it, it all worked out really nicely. And the, and all, um, the vinyl in that as well came out amazing. There's yeah, the vinyl's great. Like, again, Alex did options. an amazing job. Yeah. Uh, there's loads of variations out there. There's No Sleep version, there's American versions of it. Yeah. There's Holy Road versions of it. So No Sleep kind of handled the American side of that um, release. Yeah. Where Alex did mostly everything in Europe, pretty much. So it worked out really well. Sure, and that leads us on to the the next traumatic thing. That leads us on to the next traumatic uh, event. So, not long after that album comes out, 
um, we do some tours, do some really good tours. Uh, who did we tour with? Again, we done we toured with More Than Life and like done a bunch of shows with Nothing and you know whatever. So then we do a tour with uh, Tushy Amori in the UK. So UK tour Tushy Amori Angel Dust. Um, amazing tour from mm. the get go. It's like packed out every night. It's a good lineup. Good lineup. Yeah. Like quite, quite uh, eclectic that lineup. It is, isn't it? Yeah. It's not just uh, one uh, thing there. Yeah. Yeah. So amazing lineup. Great guys. Mm. Every, just like getting on so well, having a great time. Then we played in Leeds at the Bridenell Social Club. And after we came on stage, James was like, oh, I feel that strange. I think I've pulled a muscle maybe. I was like, I was doing some push ups earlier. I think I've like I think I've pulled a muscle. So I'm gonna sit down. And I'm like, okay. So then just like pack up the show as normal, drive to Manchester to stay for the night, and then he was like, I still feel terrible. I'm like, okay. Let's go to go to sleep, see what happens, see if how you feel in the morning. So the next morning I'm like woken up at like six in the morning by uh paramedics. Like coming in, oh, I didn't know that. I yeah, nah, paramedics okay. coming in, and James is like, "Yeah, phoned the NHS twenty four, and they've basically sent me an ambulance straight away." Wow. Um. So I'm gonna go to the hospital, and uh, we can't finish this tour. Yep. So there's only there's only two shows left. Okay. Yeah. One of them was the London show, which was like the one we were all looking forward to the most. Thanks, James. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, because I forgot because I'd see you come. You stayed with me in London, but you hadn't played. You'd just been down to your passing through. So you stayed with me, right? That was it? Yeah. Course, yeah. Um, so James is in hospital. No one knows what's going on. We just had to go home. Like we had, you know, we had a van, we had a driver, mm. we had a merch guy, all of who were getting paid. Like we couldn't just hang around and not play shows and not get paid. Unfortunately. And James is in Manchester, so it was really unreal. Like we just had to like go home and leave him in Manchester. We couldn't do anything. We couldn't check him out. Yeah. No one could tell us what was going on. We just know that he'd been admitted. He had to stay there. So we come home. Uh, James was in there, I think, for at least a, a week. Yeah. In Manchester on his own, which must have just been awful. Yeah. Uh, not no can't get any answers. Like just doing all the tests mm. possible. You know, what's wrong with him? So it turned out he'd had a heart attack. On stage. On stage, which yeah. is probably the most rock and roll thing perhaps you could ever do. Yeah. Um he'd had a blood clot which had torn an artery. Ooh. So at this point we were just like in disbelief. Yeah, yeah. And like trying to so it took I mean it took them a week, maybe a week and a half to like actually figure this out. Yeah. Because at first they were like, You haven't had a heart attack. It's not that. Yeah. So we're trying to figure out what it what it is. And eventually we're like, mm, okay, that was a heart attack. You've got a torn artery in your heart. Um, there's not really much we can do about it. Because when you have, I think, like when an artery collapses, then you have surgery. They give you a stent to open the artery back up. Sure, and that's yeah. what you do. When it's torn, it's like, well, just, it has, has to heal now and that's it. Oh, okay. So there's no surgery, there's no, they put them on a ton of medication. And then all of a sudden it's like, departures has stopped. Departures has yep. st- stopped. 
Which, of course, I mean, James's health was just like the most important thing. So none of us were like thinking, oh no, that's the band stopped. You know, we're all like visiting James all the time and like. But it, it, not to take away from that, but it's not as if departures is everyone's full time job or anything. This is still no a, again, a hobby, like you know, yeah, is, absolutely. I mean, yeah, again, so. everybody's got jobs. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a massive shame. Like it's yeah, not, yeah, yeah, and it's just like. You c- couldn't imagine that this could happen to one of your friends who's 31, yeah. 32. Yeah. Had a heart attack, could have died easily. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it's the same happening you know, after your your best record as well. Yeah, absolutely. Imagine how good the songs would have been if it'd been after that. <sighs> the, tr- the trauma. Yeah. Um, so you haven't played a show since? We haven't played a show since. So no. that was a year gone in February. Mm. It's, I can't believe actually it's been over a year. Yeah. Um, since it happened, or February, February, March, start of March, and he's still recovering. To be fair. Yeah. Like it's, uh, and he's he's handled it really well, but it must be so tough. Like he had to give up working. Yeah. He was doing a PhD at the time, so he had to go part time PhD. So just like everything in his life, just like became about this heart attack, like yeah, trying yeah. to like recover. Yeah trying to like just get back to some semblance of normality. Yeah. Um so he's okay. Thankfully. Yeah, yeah. yeah, it's but we haven't done any shows. No, and it's kind of yeah. Though, I mean the whole thing is like it happened when he was on stage and we don't know no one can tell us if it's because he was on stage. Yeah. Would or would it have happened anyway? So the whole thing's like really uncertain. So departures is a bit TBC. It's absolutely. Yeah. It's it's on hold. Um, like we would have loved to do something. Um, again, but it's really just it's obviously James's health has got to come first. Absolutely. So it really is as dependent on how healthy he is and how mentally he could cope with it or not. Yeah, yeah. Because that's huge. Definitely. It's a huge thing to overcome. So, yeah, TBC. TBC. Watch this space. So then, um, let's move on to that. You've got a flight to catch, so we need to <laughs> wrap this up pretty soon. Uh, we've, got, we've got maybe 15 minutes. Okay, that's cool. So, there's two things I want to talk about. There's the clothing company, which you own. Yep. And you started with Rob. Um, can you tell me the story you told me yesterday on this or not? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, I think I was, that was a really cool thing to hear. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, suddenly, I've like, I've been playing in bands since I was like thirteen years old, mm. and now, I mean, I've got no bands. Yeah. You know, I was in. You know, pre- I pretty much like. Do you, so we you got a list there. Do you do the release every single year? Was yeah, that, of, yeah, of some sort. Yeah. Yeah, every single year since two thousand and four. Yeah, I was like doing a release yeah. with some band so all the way up and then like suddenly it's like right there's well there's no I've got nothing to write for there's yeah. no releases on the horizon like now what so at this point I'd start in like 2014 I'd started my own business so it's a window blinds business mm-hmm. freak chance I just like I saw this opportunity to start this business and just like started it yeah. never saw myself doing that okay but just kind of ended up doing it so that's fine so I've got my own business like in the background yeah that's all fine 
Um, but that's all I was doing. And then I did, so I was like, oh, I'm going to do something else. Like, what can I do now? So I did a, an applied nutrition, uh, like microbiology course. Yeah, we did, yeah. Because everyone at my local gym kept asking me for advice on their diets. And I'm like, I'm going to start charging all of you people. Asking for advice. Yeah, <laughs> trying to be advised and not yeah. pay for it. So got a qualification, did that. Became a personal trainer. Became a personal trainer. But now what? So that's done. Yeah. Qualified. Now what? So I was telling you this story yesterday um, about, I was on a night out and I met this person that I used to work with um, like 10 years ago maybe. Okay. I worked with this person in retail and at the time, 10 years ago, this person had left to work in a bank and when I meet this person 10 years later, they're still working in a bank. Yeah. I'm saying, you know, so, you know, what do you do? Like, what, you know, you're working in this bank still, but, you know, what are you going to do in the future? What, what's your interest? And he said, I'd love to have, like, a coffee shop. Yeah. Um, That's that's my dream. I was like, brilliant. So why don't you do that? Ah, it's too late. I'm like, what do you mean it's too late? Well, I'm 30 years old now, and you know, I've just got, I've got this job in the bank, and it's a pretty decent job, so it's just, it's too late. Like I've, I've missed my opportunity and it's just like I, I wouldn't know where to start. I was just like, that's so depressing. Yeah. I was like super <laughs> affected by this conversation. You just be like, don't be... Uh, I actually went home the next day and I was like, don't be that person. Yeah, just complete defeatist. Just Absolutely. And as we were discussing, you don't need to jump in and open up a coffee shop. Have a store. Like, yeah, yeah, coffee, yeah. Like, do do something. Yeah, like just so. I and I, I had met various people that just had these excuses of like why. Because don't... it seems to me, like I was thinking about this morning when you told me this, like that that person will now carry that for the rest of their life and go through. Absolutely. I, I, what I, if I, I yeah. could have opened a coffee shop and yeah. just t- tell everyone it's like, oh, what good's that? That's yeah, like the most yeah, absolutely. Shinfo thing just, ever. Like, carry this <laughs> like thing on their back. Like, yeah, oh, I, I wish. I'm, like, what if? Well, I nearly opened a coffee shop once, yeah. Yeah. Wow. That kind of like a... Because, like, through my entire, like, teens and 20s, like, I've always had... I'm in a band. This is next month. This is the month after that. Mm -hmm. And now, like, suddenly I just had, like, there's nothing on the horizon. Yeah. You know, that uh, I had a creative outlet. There's no creative outlet. Suddenly. yeah, yeah. So that conversation that really affected me, and like literally the next day, I was like, "I'm just gonna try just anything, like whatever I feel like I want to do. I'm just gonna try it. Yeah, I'm gonna try it on the spot." So I phoned Rob Helm, who was in Asriel, and I was like, "Listen, I've been thinking about this, um, about doing clothing for a couple of months. You know, my mum uh, was in the fashion industry for thirty years, mm. so I kind of had grown up like." Uh, being in like fashion offices okay yeah so I was like five yeah my mum worked all the time so I always used to be like running around this like fashion office like playing with like fabrics and samples and like whatever so I kind of had like a like a kind of distant kind of knowledge or I knew that she she was in that and I had been thinking about this sort of Um, and I said to him I just called her I was like I've been thinking about doing this thing and I want to try and do the opposite of like what my mum did, which was go to China, go to India, okay, yeah, to visit suppliers and workshop, you know, uh, like sweatshops, and like 
high street fashion. Yeah. Conditions are terrible. Everybody feels terrible about it. I was like, why don't we try and make some stuff here? Like, why don't we try and make some stuff in Glasgow? Yeah. And just see if we can do that. So that, but that was just like that was just like the DIY ethic that everyone in the hardcore sure. scene had. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That I had grown up doing it like. Local studio, local factory. Yeah, Yeah. it goes back to that thing about like printing your own CD covers, like copying your own CDs to hand out, like just doing it all on your own. Employing the local merch guy, getting the local merch company to do it. Absolutely, absolutely. So getting a friend to do it. Yeah, so I wouldn't know any other way to do it. Exactly, yeah. Do you know what I mean? So tried to kind of work on that throughout the end of like 2016 2017 and kind of launched it at the end of last year yeah so it's just still like a really small um, thing we've done some releases it's gone well we've managed to like employ like a a local friend of a friend a woman who who hand makes our stuff yeah like hoodies sweatshirts um, and just trying to expand more and more. So just trying to like invest in her, invest yeah. in like local companies that do embroidery and like printing. Just try to do everything like on our doorstep. Absolutely, yeah. Because um, I know and I know people that have had brands and they just like send things off, send that to China. Someone will copy it, they'll send it back. But like you don't know how that person's getting treated. Yeah. How much they're getting paid? Like what the conditions are like. And it's, I mean, the fashion industry is the second um, biggest pollutant of the environment after the oil industry. Yeah, yeah. So if you go to Primark and buy your clothes, like, you are fucking the world up. (laughs) Do you know what I mean? True, yeah. So, yeah, just trying to to do it different. And you're trying to, and it's the the thing of not just grabbing a blank Gildan t-shirt and screen printing it. Yeah, because a lot of of brands... Are like focused on, okay, well this looks great, or I'm gonna put this on this um, t-shirt and like people will buy it, but like no one I felt none of the smaller brands yeah. were focused on like okay, well where does this come from? Yeah, like, where did you get this? Who was involved in making this? Yeah. Um, so I wanted to have something that was like fully transparent. So T so when he sat down this with this um, woman, yeah, and drew of, designs. Yep, worked on patterns. You know, massive learning curve. Yeah, the yeah. steepest learning curve. <laughs> um, and like coming out to London and going to textile fairs and like visiting manufacturers. So we wanted to just have this thing where it was like, okay, we have overseen everything. Yeah. So I know where the fabric came from because I went yep. to the to the manufacturer, to the mill, I yep. bought it, I took it to the woman who works for us, uh, we designed the pattern, I watched her manufacture it. Which know. is a fascinating thing because I saw one of the hoodies yesterday and the way it's constructed is, is different to a normal hoodie. Yeah, not the same. It's is completely it? <laughs> custom. You got the, the seam down the back, yeah, which yeah. Like I said I really liked, you know, that's... It's, yeah, so it's the that's the again that's the whole thing because like you could buy two different T-shirts from two completely different companies, two different completely different names, brands, and it's on the same T-shirt. They yeah. fit the same. Yeah, because they they both they it's both all come to the same place at yeah, the same place. Yeah, it's like, here, every, so and especially in the hardcore scene, everything was always on Gildan. Yeah, yeah. So everything was always so now it was like well we can actually do this here. We can make it fit yep. better, but the way we want it to fit, the way we think it should fit. 
And then you can play around with, you know, the, the cuffs and where the seams everything, are. Everything, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Everything that's totally... Uh, and people who are going to buy that know where it came from. Yeah. You've got clear conscience. Yeah. Everyone was paid, like, a living wage, way above the living wage. Yeah. You know, everyone had worked in nice conditions. Everyone's happy. Everyone enjoys what they're doing. No one's exploited. You know, you're investing into your local, you know, into the local small businesses. Sure, yeah. Um and so and it's cool like you can get to you know your sort of friends to help you out as well like you, know, you mentioned that Danny does a website yeah and like you yeah know, it's absolutely. just cool to have it's those it's all things. about putting money in your friends pockets yeah do you know what I mean like if and where why not you can do that yeah you know why would you why would you want to trust someone on the other side of the world yeah you know that you can't go and visit you can't drop in see what conditions are like yeah, so you so, just, as you speak now, you just launched two new t-shirts. Two new t-shirts, yeah. Um, we did a hoodie just before that. Which is just like, it was actually like a great feeling because it was almost like, I wanted to just show people that you can do it. Yeah, yeah. And it was just like, I actually, and it's the way that I wanted it to be done and that's how I did it, which was, which was great. It was a great feeling. And we were speaking about yesterday how like, we're saying that I, I dislike it when people are interested in something but have no contribution to it. But then talk about it all the time. It's yeah, like, yeah. If you really care about it, yeah, just do it. Like, yeah, so it's that, <laughs> make your own one. Yeah, <laughs> it's that whole thing of just like, if you want to do something, just give it, give it a go. Yeah, you don't need to be an expert. You, don't wait for someone to sit around and tell you how to do it. Yeah, absolutely. There's no like secret formula. Yeah, there's no like. Yeah, because what you've done almost sounds like a kind of the, the most basic kind of old method of doing it rather than going to a website and yeah. filling out a quote form for some random factory yeah, yeah, where you totally, have no idea what's totally, going on. Yeah. Just, go just, to the local seamstress. Yeah, just like get, find someone, like do it hands-on, learn how to do it. Yeah. Like don't rely on someone else to just like do it for you, like learn how it works. Yeah. Um, And hopefully it will show people that it can be done. Yeah. You can buy, you know, stuff that's fashionable and whatever, and also ethical. Yeah. Um, and support your local, your. It's almost like supporting your local scene. Yeah. Like it's, so, it comes from that that whole hardcore mentality. Yeah, yeah. Of just like putting back into your, you know, what's around you. So and where can people look at those t-shirts and buy them what's the website <laughs> um, they can look at so the brand's called Mara you can look at it at maragang.com or on Instagram maragang um, and give us some feedback nice and then the last thing which we've got about a minute to talk about <laughs> is this there's the solo work you've been working on so the the next sort of creative output that was beyond uh, yeah, yeah beyond yeah so back into music but in a very different back, back, very, yeah a, a very different route so in uh, last year, 2017, I weirdly ended up um, getting in contact with a company called Native Instruments, who manufacture hardware, production hardware, production software mm-hmm. for DJs, producers. Just totally randomly got put in touch with, uh, with this company. Do you want to do some work for us? Uh, we're going to go to Croatia. We need someone with um, kind of touring experience, sure. experience of festivals, um, you know, kind of scheduling and logistics and that yeah, sort of thing yeah. for for these type of events. No problem. So I ended up in Croatia before I know it, yeah. working for this company um, at Outlook Dimensions Festival. So totally like not what I'm used to, like a lot of like dance music. But again, 
met people from the hardcore scene there. Always. Always, <laughs> always meet people. <laughs> you, you can't go anywhere and not have fun. Something yeah, absolutely. Um, <laughs> so I just kind of got thrust into this like world completely by accident. Mm-hmm. Um, but I thought everything they made was amazing. They were making uh, hardware for kind of people who didn't have like a lot of th- musical theory knowledge and just like wanted to just play instruments yeah so more like intuitive um and like just got grips to all of this stuff like really quickly yeah so when i got home they gifted me some uh, hardware some um a machina and you know software and sample packages and whatever and i was like i'm just gonna have get into this just, just gonna have sit down and just, work it out yeah just yeah. like have a go and i like, really really enjoyed it it's one of those things that like, I'm just gonna like have around, you know, have a play around, and then like six hours later, yeah, you're like, oh gone. my god, yeah, yeah, it's five in the morning. Yeah. So just been messing around with that since November, really. Yeah, and I've heard some stuff, and perhaps we might put half a song on this. Or something. Yeah, like, yeah. I mean, something. we've always, I've always been since since uh, to you know, I've been into music. I've also been like heavily into crime, hip hop. Yeah. That sort of stuff. Um, ever since like ever since Boy in the Corner came out, yeah, in two thousand and three, three, yeah, just being like mad about that. But always been a hardcore band, so that's always been my creative outlet. So I know a couple of people, you know, in that sort of scene, and thought I just I'm going to give that a go. Yeah, it doesn't need to be this this massive thing. You know, you, I've heard yeah. stuff you're making. Stuff you're making is, you yeah. know, it could easily be the backing track to yeah. just. Yeah. A, a local yeah. rapper who needs a beat. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. Like it's just that thing again of like if you want to do something, just give it, just give it a shot. Yeah, what you got to lose? What have you got to lose? Nothing at all. So just doing that, been doing that for a couple months. See where that goes. So we'll see you on the, the front page of a magazine soon. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, maybe. And quickly, last thing, I forgot about this top five albums and why. Oof, so I'm gonna right. try and ask everyone that comes on the podcast to. Uh, list their top five albums, why influence them and what they are, which is a bit, I only gave you two days to do this. So. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I've just noted some down. This okay, might yeah. even be more than five. Probably that first Slipknot album. Absolutely. As I said, like hearing that first thing was just like flip my world, world upside down. <laughs> it was unbelievable. Yeah. Then a little uh, further down the line, we had Misery Signals, Malice in the Magnum Heart. Yeah, and Andy's super into that as well. Yeah, it? so yeah. Gav, the merch guy, probably put us on to this, the demo of it, so there was like an EP with loads of demos on it before okay. that album. Yeah. It put us on to this at his house and again, just like, super heavy but also super melodic. Yeah. Which at the time, there wasn't a lot of stuff, like it, everything that we were listening to was metal or yeah. it was hardcore. Which and now is, is quite normal, isn't it? Like totally so, normal, yeah. But something I, maybe like Counterparts is yeah, melodic. Absolutely, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. But at the time, I never heard anything like it. Mm. So I was like 16 years old. I'd never heard anything like this. Yeah. Um, and then after that came like Poison Well and all that, so Hopes Fall, that sort of stuff. Yeah. So that was kind of a, a route into that whole yeah, thing. Yeah. But okay. that was the that was the catalyst for that. Nice. And probably informed most of how Azrael sounded. Yeah, yeah. You know. That makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Boy in the Corner, obviously. Yeah. 2015. Uh, sorry, 2003, and I was like 15 years old. Yeah. Again, never heard anything like it. This is insane. It's ridiculous. I went yeah. to the live show yeah. whenever it was a couple of years ago. It's just like nothing had ever sounded like that. It's ridiculous. Yeah. It was crazy. And especially being from Glasgow, like it wasn't as if I was living in London. 
no, but where, the, where there was a local thing like yeah I, I don't know what it was I mean I think that because I think he likes Nirvana and stuff so I think he was maybe in Kerrang which is I, I think it was definitely some sort of rock promotion alongside that as well oh, Dizzy Rackle yeah yeah which is how like, I think that's how I found him really yeah yeah definitely. I just totally found the CD where I saw I think I saw a poster for it yeah um, of the front cover like the yellow with him sitting and thinking that that's, looks mad yeah. Dizzy Rascal like that's mad no he's definitely like yeah he's into like yeah, like, really? like real like mainstream rock yeah, like yeah, Metallica yeah, yeah. and Nirvana yeah. stuff yeah okay. I'm pretty sure I was like it was like a one page in Kerrang maybe yeah. that's how I got into it yeah yeah, yeah. maybe maybe yeah yeah possibly I remember just I, I remember knowing the album's coming out on this date I've got to go and buy it sure um, that's all I remember and again like just turned everything that I knew about music just like on its head and something's interesting about that as well is that he mentioned I listened to a few things from over the years like reading sort of retrospective articles and that and and interviews and he's saying he wrote a lot of that in school like, I think I'm pretty yeah. sure you wrote I Love You in School and you were saying you did it in school as well whereas I'd, I've never had like music like that in school we, nah. just, we did music but like it was like recorder keyboard yeah yeah. Well, like, I, no, I think, I think like by the time I got to um, doing music at high school I'd been in, I was already in a band. Right, okay, yeah. So when I got to music and I was like, I wanted to, like, I chose music as a subject. Uh, like, I okay, said to yeah. the teachers, like, I'm going to do guitar and drums. Everyone else is doing keyboard. Yeah. But I already play guitar. I want to be able to play the drums. And I was lucky enough that they were just like, all right, cool. So when I was in, like, I don't know what you call it in England, but fifth year in school, sixth form, maybe, something sixth like form, that. Yeah, I don't know. Right. I don't know. When I was like 15 years old, right? I was basically having like two hours a day. It was just like, do whatever you want. It's amazing. Like, pick your own songs to do for your exams, drums, guitars, like, pick them, let's, let's just go for it. Nice. So I was kind of just giving free reign to, like, play drums at school. Yeah, yeah. For two, three hours a day, would, like, stay in at lunchtime and just, like, play drums all the time. It's amazing. Didn't have any of that stuff in my school. Yeah. Rubbish. I even, like, <laughs> I, I even ended up going to a different school to do drum lessons. Oh, okay. Because there was, like, a proper drum teacher at this other school on the complete other side of the city. Wow. Um... Uh, so I was quite lucky in that regard. Yeah. I was just, like kind of steeped in music. It was the only thing that I really did at school. Yeah. And I was already in bands, so it was just like a whirlwind of music. Fair. Of different genres. Um, What's next on the, on the list? Let's see. So Raekwon from the Wu-Tang Clan. Oh, yeah. Right, has got an album called Only Built for Cuban Links. And my mum brought me a bootleg of this album from China. Wow. Which yeah. is out of the textile factories. Which was, she was, yeah, yeah. exactly, she was out visiting a, you yeah. know, a, a sweatshop, yeah. probably of some description. She brought me a CD, I was like, what is this? Yeah. Amazing. Wow. Had never heard like gritty, so that came out in 1995. Oh, okay, album. yeah. This is not an album. Yeah, so I was maybe like nine. Yeah. Or ten. She brought me this, she totally had picked it up by random. Yeah, yeah. And I'd never heard like gritty, you know, like, um, like New York East Coast hip hop yeah just like such a unique sound that, such a unique yeah. sound so that probably inf- again probably informed probably led you into like that, that into, world yeah, yeah into that world yeah cool um, newer albums in that I didn't want to have just like all old albums okay yeah a couple of newer albums in that the um, Bars and Composer uh, Composer yeah, Separation yeah perfect album I think I have listened to it. I need to listen to it again. If you say All, that again. Almost perfect. I never skip any tracks. It's rare that there's an album that you don't skip anything. Yeah. That's one of them. And another album that I never skip any tracks is an L Sweatshirt album. 
Oh, okay, yeah. It's called I Don't Like Shit, I Don't Go Outside. Yeah, yeah, that was good. Like Amazing that. album. Yeah. I love that it's, title as well. Yeah, it's... I think he was just, like, super depressed when he made this album, but it's rare that you get... It's rare that you get a hip-hop album that's, like, a... F- it's, like, a full concept. Like, the album is, like, a full... It's got consistent sound all the way through the album. Right, okay, yeah. It's, like, a... You know, the, the, the album works as an album. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Which sometimes is rare. Do you, in that world someone uh, someone said recently I can't remember it was or someone was reading a tweet was saying that um, like someone listened to a song and then listened to the in context on an album afterwards and it's just like yeah albums are amazing and I was like I, I think I had that every time The National bring out a new song I'm always like ah it's cool but I'm not sure I know you like The National but, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> but um, you have to listen to it in context yeah, yeah in context absolutely unbelievable, unbelievable. makes perfect sense yeah, yeah and I think that whenever people talk about the death of the album I'm always like please don't let albums die because yeah. a standalone single that's two and a half minutes for me isn't enough I want I want yeah, to have you know absolutely. Absolutely. the dynamics that go behind that into it and out of it yeah so if you like hip hop you should absolutely listen to that album cool right. um, I have listened to it I listened to it again it yeah it's with fucking retrospect. amazing yeah that's five. That's them. That's it. Okay. That's nice. it. Cool. Right. You've got a plane to catch. I've got a plane to catch. We've got to leave in seven minutes. Oh dear. Okay. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks for doing this. <laughs>